0: Hi, this is Legal Cut Pro, the Canadian Entertainment Law Podcast. My name is Greg Pang.
1: And I'm Michelle Molyneux. Today's podcast is part one of our series on drones. And the series is going to provide a bit of an introduction to the law surrounding drones in Canada. But first, a shout out to our sponsor.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the Alberta Media Production Industries Association, Ampia, and its professional development team. Special thanks to Jane Toogood, our audio editor, who you can find on Instagram at JJ underscore Toogood. That's JJ underscore T-O-O-G-O-O-D. Hi everyone, Greg here with a little bit of an audio insert to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Canadian Film Center, the CFC, based in Toronto. Not to be confused with the other CFC being the Calgary Film Center. The CFC, the Canadian Film Center, is a leading not for profit cultural organization for the development and advancement of Canadian creative and entrepreneurial talent in the screen-based industries. The CFC's programs and initiatives span film and television, screen acting, composing, and songwriting for the screen, and digital and immersive media. The Canadian Film Centre is currently accepting applications for the 2020 Cineplex Film Program, which is their longest-running and signature film program. Apply to the directors, writers, producers, or editors' labs by January 13. 2020 at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. That's, again, January 13, 2020 by 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Visit cfccreates.com for more information and to apply. That's cfccreates.com.
1: So, Greg, is there anything new and exciting with you since we last chatted?
0: Yeah, a few things exciting. Uh, one thing I can share is, uh, unfortunately, this will this episode will have been released after it happens. But um I'm a sponsor or Red Frame Law is a sponsor of the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers uh, Stinger Awards, which is happening on November 30th. And cool. I will be presenting an award uh, that on that night.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That should be a really fun night.
0: How about yourself, Michelle? How uh, anything exciting on your end?
1: Uh, nothing too much exciting, just auditions and the usual. Um, I was supposed to attend the CMPA national member consultation that was in mm-hmm. Edmonton a couple weeks ago, but I've been dying slash dealing with this ridiculous sinus infection. So unfortunately, I was too sick to attend, which is really sad.
0: Well, that's awful. Are you feeling yeah. better now?
1: Um, You know, slowly, day by day. <laughs> okay. Anyone with any sinus infection uh, tips or tricks, <laughs> please feel free to send them. You know, Sin- a
0: lot of that's been going around. Um, not, not just like colds and flus, but I've been hearing some sinus infections, so I'm not sure if it's at all related or it's just coincidental. But I know our um, at least our, our articling student here at the office, he, he had some horrible sinus problems uh, last week. As for myself, I haven't been sick in a long time. So I'm thinking I'm overdue to become Uh-oh. sick. And if I haven't been sick in a long time, then once it hits, I'm thinking I'm going to be down and out for a couple days, at least. Right now, I haven't gotten sick yet, but um, Yay. my whole family has.
1: <laughs> Excuse me as I cough.
0: <laughs> yeah, but my whole, like I was saying, my whole family has. Um, but uh, I have not gotten sick, which is strange because usually, you know, when my, Son gets it, my wife gets mm. it, then I'm inevitably going to get sick. But it has not happened, so you know, hopefully oh. it's uh it'll stay that way.
1: That reminds me. Uh, speaking of your son, have uh, did he hear anything back from the droid contest?
0: No, and oh. he actually en- didn't end up entering uh, into that droid contest. And you know, for listeners oh. who didn't listen to our last episode, it's my son made a guest appearance when we discussed the build your Star Wars build your droid contest. So he's all excited about it, but I think he was a little bit intimidated by some of the entries that they posted online. I thought look- you were
1: gonna say he was intimidated by the IP law. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
0: No, I don't. I'm not sure if anything that Daddy tells him would intimidate him. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> he'll just laugh at me. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So he, uh, he might have been a little bit intimidated by how really good some of the entries that they had been posting. Um, That Disney had been posting or the contest holders for Disney had been posting online. And so, but in the end, it was a really good exercise for a seven year old to just think of these, you know, building your own droid and designing your droid and thinking about what can be used for and, you know, just letting his creativity flow and putting, you know, pen... Or, or rather pencil and pencil crayons to, to paper. And uh, so it was, it was at the very least a fun exercise. But in the end, he's like, I don't want to enter. And I'm like, Okay, I can't force you. so Aww.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's just perfecting his creation for exactly. one day in the future. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Did you know that? that and and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I mentioned the word pencil crayon. Uh, I heard I th- or I read that apparently that's a very Canadianism thing. Pencil crayon. The Americans they don't say pencil crayon. They like say like colored pencils or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is actually one. Yeah, because I've been working on my uh, standard American dialect, mm. <laughs> and I think that was yeah one of the phrases that yeah yeah pencil crayon is Canadian.
0: Ah, okay, okay. Mm, mm. Cool. All right. So moving along, let's talk about drones. Yeah. Yes, otherwise known as remotely piloted aircraft systems. I think that that's RPAS, that's the official government designation or something like mm. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, big acronym. Uh, remotely, well, not big, but an acronym. Remotely piloted aircraft systems (RPAS) are an incredible tool for two filmmakers. I mean, they can be used to capture stunning aerial shots. Sometimes even replace jibs, dollies, and cranes. Uh, they're they're beautiful. Um, they they're cost effective, and they offer a lot of flexibility for filmmakers. Because we are a legal podcast,
1: let's talk about the law. That's right. <laughs> And that's a good thing because I actually don't have anything else to contribute regarding the technical features of drones. I have to say I've honestly never seen a drone physically in person. Um, but what I have seen are the new Transport Canada rules regarding drones.
0: You really never seen a drone in person before?
1: No. You must have.
0: You, maybe you you don't know you didn't know you're looking at a drone. Like sometimes you see like a couple blinking lights that are just kind of floating around. And maybe you didn't know it was a drone.
1: That sounds really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I,
0: well, I only say that because one time that's what happened to me. Right? I, oh my I gosh. was at some, I was some kind of conference or something like that. And then there's this thing floating around, and it's like this green and blue, or no, or is it green and red lights? It was just hovering. Ah. And I looked at it, and I looked at it. It's like, what is that thing? And I think this was years ago when drones were more novel. Hmm. And I, uh, and then someone pointed out, no, that, that's a drone like oh
1: <laughs> that's wild that would i think i would totally freak out if i actually saw one in person oh.
0: well yeah <laughs> it's, 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 it's yeah because they, they could be invasive right so mm-hmm. well hence why we are talking about the law and the rules around drone use or rules or regulations yeah. around drone use in canada
1: the new transport canada rules regarding drone use came into effect on june 1st 2019 now these rules apply to All drone pilots, regardless of whether you fly recreationally, commercially, or even just for research purposes.
0: And that's right, Michelle. And the rules for drone pilots are outlined in the Canadian Aviation Regulations, otherwise known as CARS, CARS, another acronym. I love acronyms because I used to work with the federal government, so we had an acronym for everything. So, Ooh. CARS, <laughs> Canadian Aviation Regulations. You can Google that, and we will provide a link in our show notes that. Specifically, Part 9 of CARS, Remotely Piloted Aircraft Systems uh, section, or the, the part, contains most of the rules pertaining to drones that weigh up to 25 kilograms.
1: So, some of the brief highlights of the regulations are that in order to operate a drone, you must carry a valid drone pilot certificate, and that only drones that are registered before you fly them and marked with a registration number can be flown legally.
0: And my understanding is that the only exception to those basic rules is that if your drone is less than 250 grams or 0.55 pounds, then you don't need a pilot certificate or to register the drone.
1: That makes sense. I'm picturing like... A little bitty baby drone, which would be way less of those. scary. Yes, really?
0: I have Oh, one of those. yeah. And uh-huh. It's uh, I bought it for my son, I think for Christmas last year. So it's, just, it's this tiny little drone, mm-hmm. and we once these regulations came out, we actually weighed it to make sure that you know Ooh, that we're not falling yeah. off sides of regulations, and it's well underweight of that, uh, that that amount. But it's it is it is a little. It's actually not even that big. It's about like a foot, but it's you know made out of plastic, wow. right? So it's it's super lightweight
1: wow so yeah. it's like it's still substantial
0: yeah i guess uh but, but uh, it's uh, taking in consideration the uh, i'm not sure if appendages is the right thing but you know the the propellers and the little uh, plastic bumpers so it's significantly the body is is not that big but once you add that to the i guess the overall uh diameter of the of the drone um then it's it, it seems like it's like it's big but it's not
1: so it would probably still creep me out? Maybe. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, when you're flying your creepy drone contraptions, <laughs> the rules are that you have to be over 14 years old. You are only allowed to fly your drone where you can see it. You need to avoid forest fires, outdoor concerts, sporting events, parades. You also must stay 3 nautical miles away from airports and 1 nautical mile away from helicopters. And I don't know what a nautical mile is. But you should know and then stay away from airports and helicopters. <laughs>
0: so not maybe more or maybe it's more or less a mile but it's in nautical terms.
1: Oh. That that would make sense. I yes. thought nautical had to do with ships rather than aircraft.
0: You know, I that sounds familiar. I have no idea, but that sounds familiar, <laughs> so that could be a very good guess.
1: Okay, so I guess then step 1 would be figure out <laughs> what a nautical mile is yes. and then stay 3 nautical miles away from airports. There you go. You need to fly far, far away from other drones and away from helicopters and airplanes. In general, drone pilots cannot take off or land within national parks. Now, there are a few narrow exceptions, but generally, you can't fly in national parks. You also can't fly over disaster sites, police, or first emergency responder situations. For example, if you came across a traffic accident, you can't fly over that with your drone. And you can't operate your drone under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Mm, Now, in general, if you have the basic license, you have to make sure that you fly below 122 meters or the equivalent of 400 feet. So you can't fly higher than that. You need to stay at least 30 meters away from bystanders and never fly directly over bystanders. And what's interesting is a bystander is anyone who's directly not, sorry, not directly involved in operating the drone. So say for example, if you have a film shoot and you've got an actor on the film set, they're still considered a bystander. So that would mean that you can't fly directly over top of them or 30 meters, or you you have to stay 30 meters away from them.
0: So the key is someone, uh, if you're not a bystander, means that you're actually operating the drone. Mm -hmm. Now, the exceptions to what you just said, Michelle, if you do want to conduct advanced drone operations, such as flying in controlled airspace, flying over bystanders, or within 100 feet of bystanders, you can get what's called an advanced operations pilot certificate. And for, yeah, uh, for, (laughs) it sounds very advanced because it says it's advanced, for advanced operators, you need to pass what's called an advanced exam, uh, pass a flight review with a flight reviewer and be able to show your advanced pilot certificate and proof of registration when you fly your drone. And in the event you want to fly in controlled airspace, you would need to seek permission from the air traffic control.
1: So, now the penalties for not following all of these rules are actually kind of steep. You're looking at a fine of up to $1000 for flying without a drone pilot license, another 1000 if you're flying an unregistered or unmarked drone, 1000 if you're flying where you aren't allowed to, and up to 3000 if your drone flight puts aircraft or people at risk.
0: Exactly. And those fines that you just mentioned are charged for individuals, fines for corporations, and relevant to film production is that if you're usually producing film uh, under a corporation or a single-purpose company, those can range up to $5,000 and up to $15,000 for putting aircraft and people at risk.
1: Wow. So yeah, it looks like if you are flying a drone on a film shoot, you should probably be extra careful to follow the rules.
0: Yes yeah make sure that uh, your whoever is flying your drone has the uh, appropriate license um, and film shoots you'll most likely be using a drone that's heavier than 250 grams so you're going to be in at least one of these categories and uh, the your drone operator will need to have the appropriate license and uh, the drone uh, themselves registered uh, in accordance with the regulations
1: mm-hmm. Now, aside from all these Transport Canada rules and potential fines, there are actually other laws that you could also potentially break while using a drone. And it's really important to be aware of these laws as well so that you stay on the right side of the law.
0: And it's important to seek legal advice if you encounter a situation where these kinds of issues can be raised.
1: Definitely. And a couple of the sets of laws that could be engaged when drones fly over private property are trespass and nuisance.
0: Exactly. And these are a couple of topics that I am particularly excited to talk about on this podcast is because I teach about trespass and nuisance in my real estate law course uh, that I teach at McEwen University. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And with respect to trespass, and uh, this is the, sorry, the common law tort of trespass, which is a tort meaning it's it's a wrong. It's something that's actionable in a civil lawsuit. And the legal definition to trespass to property is the direct physical interference with exclusive possession of property, in this case, land. So that's a direct physical interference with exclusive possession. And under the common law in Canada you have the, along with the surface rights that you have to your piece of property, your private property that you own, you have airspace rights. And those airspace rights only go up to what you can actually potentially use and enjoy. And what exactly that level is, is very dependent on the situation, the facts of the case. In the context of talking about drones and potential trespass, if a drone is invading your airspace, they would say like, at 25 feet flying above your land, then it's potentially actionable in trespass as it's invading your airspace as part of your rights to your property. Hmm. However, if the drone is say, and a lot of drones are much more powerful that they can fly much higher, like say a 1,000 feet, maybe 2,000 feet for the much more powerful drones, then it's most likely above the level of uh, your airspace that you can actually or potentially use and enjoy. Therefore, anything above that would be considered common property. For example, as a a real world example, outside of drones is an aircraft, an actual aircraft, like an airliner flying at 10,000, 15,000 feet above your land, passing over for half a second. That's common property. You can't sue them for airspace intrusion because you cannot potentially use it in the joy at a height of 15,000 feet in the air. Mm -hmm. So what about drones then? If they are flying really high, but they are causing, I guess, a, a nuisance. And this is a good segue into the other tort that you mentioned, the tort of nuisance. Hmm. And the tort of nuisance is, unlike in trespass, which is the interference with the exclusive possession of property, the tort of nuisance is the substantial and unreasonable Interference with the use and enjoyment of property. It sounds close, but fundamentally it is a different. Well, it is a different tort, a different cause of action under the law. With the biggest differences being that there is no directness requirement or physical requirement in nuisance, but there is a damages requirement, meaning that in nuisance you do have to prove damages, unlike in trespass, which is actionable just because trespass has happened. So, what has been commented is that we don't have any, although we don't have any precedent in Canada that deals with drones and suing someone for nuisance for the uh, substantial unreasonable interference with your land by flying over your land, there is some precedent that could be instructive but doesn't involve drones. For example, there was a 2016, uh, a recent case out of BC where someone was successfully able to sue someone for nuisance for the overhead swinging cranes that would pass over a neighboring property. Mm
1: -hmm. And that
0: was actionable and and succeeded at nuisance. Mm -hmm. By extension and by an argument by analogy, potentially that can be the same kind of situation for suing someone um, for uh, flying a drone over your property in nuisance. Until we have that kind of case where we can uh, see how it actually plays out, and it, it's not a de minimis uh, act, then uh, we, we can only just say that it's it's possible to sue in nuisance.
1: It seems that provincial trespass legislation likely wouldn't apply in the case of drones. And I was just wondering why that is.
0: And that is a very good question. Um, so we're talking about the, in Alberta, we have a trespass to Premises Act and in Ontario, there is a, a Trespass to uh, Property Act, I, I believe. Um, hmm. or, or no, no, Trespass to Premises Act in Ontario and uh, Petty Trespass Act, that's right, sorry, in, in Alberta. And there's also a Trespass to Premises Act in, in Alberta as well. And those usually refer to uh, trespass on land or the premises. So it doesn't, the, the spirit of it and the intent of it is not to capture trespass to airspace rights over private property. And uh, that's why they likely would not be very helpful. Now, I haven't read every single piece of trespass legislation in di- the different provinces and territories, but the ones, uh, at least the ones that I just cited, those would not be very helpful in respect of uh, uh, airspace trespass with, uh, with uh, flying drones. Okay. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Now, it's for the part I'm really excited about. Uh, (laughs) Another area of the law to be familiar with when operating your drone is the law on voyeurism and privacy. And this excites me very much because I'm kind of a criminal law nerd. Um, nice. I'm. Yeah, I think we might have kind of talked about it in one of our opening episodes, maybe. But um, I articled at a criminal law firm right after law school, so I kind of. Although I love entertainment, I also love criminal law, so I'm excited to share this part.
0: That's a great mix.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully, not together. Entertainment people yeah, don't you, commit yeah. criminal offenses, but <laughs> <No>. <laughs> both very interesting areas of the law. So, lawyerism is a criminal code offense. Specifically, it's found in section 162 of the Criminal Code of Canada. And basically what this section says is that it's an offense to surreptitiously observe, and this includes by either mechanical or electronic means, or to make a visual recording of a person who is in circumstances that give rise to a reasonable expectation of privacy. Now, there's been a lot of case law and talking about in different areas of the law that do talk about what is a reasonable expectation of privacy. So one one might kind of think, okay, if you're flying your drone and you're capturing footage and your drone can see people as it passes by, do those people actually have an expectation of privacy? If obviously, you know, someone passing by in the sky or maybe somebody in a building close by could see them anyway, like how could they expect privacy in those circumstances? So the Supreme Court of Canada has actually released a really important decision recently, and it's called Jarvis, or perhaps could be pronounced Jarvis. I'm not sure. Uh, But anyway, this case clarifies what actually gives rise to a reasonable expectation of privacy. This case wasn't even about drones. It was actually about a teacher who used a camera concealed in a pen to surreptitiously record his female students gross yes super creepy (laughs) but the supreme court of canada used this case to examine this idea of what is a reasonable expectation of privacy and looking at that expectation of privacy in the context of our modern technology in in the past there's been a lot of case law that discusses privacy but it doesn't really take into account that we have this incredible technology to capture things that we didn't used to have access to. In this decision, Chief Justice Wagner states that there are situations in which individuals know that they could be viewed by others in the public, yet they still retain some degree of privacy. So if we look at paragraph 40 of the decision, Chief Justice Wagner uses drones as an example. And he says that an unsuspecting sunbather at a public swimming pool would have a reasonable expectation of privacy that a drone wouldn't be used to take high-resolution photographs of them. And so, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Definitely, because it's much different from, say, for example, maybe uh, you can look into your neighbor's backyard. Say, for example, and maybe see your neighbor. Your neighbor wouldn't think that you have some kind of high-powered camera that you're taking pictures of them that that you'll have that image stored for however long.
0: That's right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So it's just that, that type of difference that using the technology kind of changes that expectation of privacy a little bit. So that's something to be really, I guess, aware of when you're using drones is that although the people or places that you're capturing, you can just easily see them by flying by, you have to keep in mind that you're viewing these people and places from a little bit of a different lens. And because of that, you could be putting yourself at risk of committing the criminal code offense of voyeurism.
0: And you do not want to be committing any kind of criminal code offense.
1: No, definitely and, not.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and for our listeners, uh, that, uh, that citation for that decision, that Supreme Court decision, it's uh, R.V. Jarvis and it is 2019 SCC 10. We will put a link to that in our show notes.
1: Mm-hmm. Super interesting case. Kind of long. I might be biased because I really like reading criminal law cases. But... <laughs> Good Perfect. reading. Either way, <laughs>
0: well, it, and it's extremely important to to know about is that you know you're not just on the hook for some fines under the regulations um, or risk of being sued in civil court, but mm-hmm. that there could be potentially be a criminal code offense involved here. Then that uh, really ratchets up the the seriousness of making sure um, that you're doing things on the right side of the law. Definitely, and with that. In general, if you're going to be using drone footage or operating a drone or hiring someone to operate a drone, you should always obtain written releases or some kinds of consents for individuals who are identifiable who appear on footage, just like you would in any other kind of footage. And there's no, this does not give you just because you're flying a drone with a camera doesn't give you any kind of exception. Right. So releases with respect to appearance, uh, appearance of individuals, and Location releases as well for uh, identifiable properties.
1: That's really interesting. This is a lot to keep in mind. <laughs> it is. Yes. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. So, so get your releases if you are shooting private property, if it's recognizable. Uh, get mm-hmm. your releases if... Uh, so same rules apply. Uh along with, all, along with the other ones you have to be... At least, I, I don't want to use the word worry about, but at least aware of that we mm-hmm. talked about, you know, like the Transport Canada regulations, um, nuisance, and uh, voyeurism.
1: Quick recap. Uh, Make sure you get a proper license. Register and mark your drone before flying. Know those Transport Canada rules. Know what a nautical mile is. And let us know because I'm curious. And also, don't put anyone's safety in danger or you could be slapped with some pretty heavy fines.
0: Although you are presumed to know the law, and that means you're presumed to know the law around trespass, nuisance, criminal code uh, with respect to voyeurism, you are, of course, not lawyers, or most a lot of you listeners might not be lawyers, and you don't know the laws with respect to those things inside and out. So if you are uncertain or if these issues get raised, and at least you know that these could be issues, and you should consult legal counsel about these issues.
1: Definitely. So I think that's all we have for drones today. Although we do have a couple more drone episodes coming up, we're gonna talk to a local drone pilot mm-hmm. and hopefully get a little bit more practical insight. Maybe he can explain the nautical mile to us. There you go. (laughs) And then we're also going to have another episode, and we're going to go back to the uh, pilot who captured the footage of the Raptors celebration. That's right. Yeah, that's
0: the one that uh, I insisted it was right after game seven of the Raptors big win, but it was actually during the parade, and I got the location completely wrong. Oh! <laughs> yes, because uh, uh, my sister listened to that episode and she told me, you got it completely wrong.
1: Oh, no! <laughs>
0: yes. So we will clarify mm-hmm. the, uh, the circumstances that led to that pilot getting... Um,
1: charged right
0: under these these regulations
1: yeah he's now been fined so yeah we're gonna uh, just talk about what happened and what's up with him and that kind of thing so it should be interesting I hope for the listeners uh, please leave us feedback if you have anything you are curious about uh, let us know and also please rate us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts.
0: exactly and where can people find us Michelle
1: well they can find you at Uh, Greg at LegalCutPro.com and on Twitter at PsychLaw and they can find me, Michelle at LegalCutPro.com and on Instagram at Michelle Molyneux
0: and you can find this podcast on our website at LegalCutPro.com or on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts Spotify, Stitcher and your other favorite podcast platform and we are continually adding to more of those platforms
1: Thank you for listening Legal Cut Pro has been produced by Greg Peng and Michelle Molyneux.
0: Excerpts of Just Say Go, Dr. Octavo Mendicity, mixed courtesy of Dr. Octavo and Michelle Molyneux.
1: This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated on it is to be construed as legal advice. The views expressed by the hosts of Legal Cut Pro and any guests are their own and do not represent the opinions of any organization or other person unless otherwise stated.
0: Intro sound clip film projector countdown has been truncated from its original form and is copyright 2013 Ivan Gabovich used under Creative Commons. Commons BY3 license. Outro sound clip film projector reel runs out by Stefan021 is used under Creative Commons CC01.0 license.
1: This podcast is copyright of Red Frame Law and is licensed to you under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial CC BYNC 4.0 license. For details of that license, visit creativecommons.org
0: And you do not want to be committing any kind of criminal code events. Uh, <laughs> what, what did I say? Events? <laughs> <laughs> I All
1: like right. that. Let's
0: try that again. <laughs> and you do not want to be committing any type of criminal code event. Uh, I did again. <laughs> events, criminal code. E- uh, no, I'm doing it in criminal code offense.
1: <laughs> there we go. Okay.
0: All right. Again.